this is Terry Givens, the CEO and founder of the Center for Higher Education Leadership, and welcome to our podcast, Higher Ed Leadership. And today we are very excited to be having a discussion about online education and reskilling in the workforce with Chip from the uh, to you. So Chip, I'm going to go ahead and have you introduce yourself. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Terry. Happy to be here. Uh, so I'm Chip Pausek. I'm co-founder and CEO of 2U. Uh, we're a global technology company that partners with great universities to build high-quality online education across a variety of different uh, products and disciplines. So short courses, boot camps for technical training, and then, of course, degrees, both undergraduate and graduate degrees. I started the company uh, about 12 years ago, and I have a long history in ed tech before that. So I produced a PBS television show way back in the day for a long time that was called Standard Deviance. It was middle school, high school, college courses taught by comedians and actors. And then I ran a company called Hooked on Phonics that you've probably heard of. So I was CEO of Hooked Absolutely. on Phonics. So pleasure to be here with you. And uh, what a great, what a great uh, podcast. Thank you so much. I mean, we this uh, the Hooked on Phonics, now I'm a huge fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, 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 as, as we used to say it worked for me i don't know if you remember the ads but oh, yeah. a b c d e f g it worked for me so. <laughs> yep no i remember it well so um, i'm curious you know we're we're in the middle of this you know people don't really want to call what's happening right now in higher ed real online education because it's really emergency remote learning um and that's right you know, I, i'm wondering how you would characterize this and from what you've been experiencing talking to your partners and how this is going to transition into the fall because it's looking more and more like we may be doing this well into the fall i think we are definitely going to be doing this well into the fall so it's been extraordinary uh, i would say um you know on one hand i feel like uh, the world, uh, when this happened, I mean, first of all, let, like, let's level set and understand that like, this is totally unprecedented. So the notion that somehow everybody would have been prepared in some way, how prepared would the NBA be for canceling all of its games? Like, this is just not, n none of this is, is something any of us have dealt with. And I guess I would say the rushed wave to remote learning, which is without question what it was, that's not high quality online learning, uh, was ne necessary. Uh, an emergency and was done, I thought, uh, well, from the standpoint of at least getting something deployed uh, to get everybody at least up and running uh, mm -hmm. with something that would that would work. Um, yeah. But it's clearly not, uh, as you and I both know, that is not high quality online learning. Yeah. Um, you can't just throw people into a live environment and expect, you know, snap your fingers and then have high quality online education. That's not the way it works. Mm -hmm. uh, so as you transition to the fall, what we're finding is, uh, you know, a, an unprecedented number of, of schools trying to figure out how to do something better. Um, and so we have just been utterly slammed over the last, uh, you know, six weeks. Yep. Yeah, I am not surprised at all. And, you know, I'm wondering, um, are you seeing folks talking of, I, I've heard a lot of discussion out there about this hybrid model where you might have, you know, a small number of students in the classroom and then, you know, some students doing online. Are you hearing much about that kind of for the, I, I, you know, for the short term to midterm, mid range in terms of planning? Yes. Uh, so what I can say is 
there, there's not a lot that's been written about that we haven't heard about. Uh, there are people considering a, a wide variety of different solutions uh, and, and really probably more importantly, different formats in order to figure out how to uh, have something viable for the fall. Um, mm -hmm. And we're not at a point where most schools have made any decisions about what will happen for the fall. Mm -hmm. uh, we have heard, uh, you know, in, in, in many ways, I think what's happening is kind of the hybridization of all of higher ed almost overnight. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a small thing, you know, to, to take every physical classroom and make it virtual like we did over the last couple of months. You know, you've got a ton of preconceived notions of online education going out the window very quickly. Now, unfortunately, I would also tell you, it, it, it reinforces in some people's minds why it's not as good as the campus. And we firmly believe that if you do it right, it can be not just as good, but better. Yes. Uh, so how do you do that? And I know you, you know, given your background and your extensive history, you <laughs> agree with that. Um, mm -hmm. But easier said than done, right? So yep. um, helping schools figure out how to handle that uh, has been uh, a lot for our company to handle over the last uh, 45 days. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, one of the things I've really been hoping to see more of is collaboration. And, you know, uh, I can see for especially some, so probably some of the most, um, you know, threatened schools in the country are these small private institutions that don't have uh, much of an online presence yet, and yet they need it. And, you know, I'm wondering what your thoughts might be. I've been talking about this on LinkedIn and so on about the potential for collaboration on the, in the online space for these smaller campuses that aren't going to be able to have, you know, face-to-face -face, uh, classes in the fall, but, you know, don't necessarily have the capacity to, to do the full-on online. Is, I mean, do you think it is possible that they could collaborate in the online space? I think there definitely will be collaboration. Uh, mm -hmm. We're talking about that across a couple of our different partners. Um, and we think that in certain cases, uh, it will be an absolute necessity. Um, mm -hmm. So if you take uh, what we announced just this past week, we made a pretty big announcement that we're taking Simmons University yeah. on uh, online for fall, uh, 100% really, like the whole, everything they offer will be taking online, uh, focused on improving for the Simmons community, <clears throat> the online experience that they'll have compared to what they just had. And we have high confidence we can do that. But what's been fascinating is that's now extended to sort of begin early conversations about how one might leverage that across a broader set of similarly uh, framed institutions. And so it's, it's kind of exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Now, it's, it's one thing to talk about it. It's a lot harder to do it. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, these things are all, um, you know, these are real investments. And it's, I think people, people tend to forget how large the investment is to do some of the things that companies like 2U does or to do it internally and to do it internally the right way. Um, it's very expensive. Yep. Right. And we're trying to first and foremost just figure out how to take care of our partners. But, um, you know, obviously after that, it's how do we do something that uh, supports a broader set of institutions? And it's, it, it, we think there's a lot of interesting possibilities and we're in early days of those conversations, but, uh, but we're pretty excited by them. 
Well, we would love to stay as part of that conversation because this is something I'm very passionate about in terms of wanting to, I mean, basically my goal is to make sure these institutions survive. And we all know this, that this is an existential crisis. And I really do believe that, you know, what you're saying is correct. It's, it's expensive, but if we could pool resources, you know, like I look at uh, the Portland area where there's several small institutions, um, you know, if they could all work together and invest in this in a way that makes sense, you know, part of the issue, I think why it's difficult is the whole, you know, the accreditation, the transfer credits, the, the um, you know, all the different ways you have to look at the curriculum, but, you know, higher ed, they know that side of it, that the technical side of it um, is really where I think a lot of us are, are lacking and also the instructional design and so on. And I have a lot of friends who are instructional designers who are getting a lot of work these days because, you know, that the traditional model as, you know, when what I did throughout my teaching careers, I stood up in front of the classroom, I gave lecture, you know, I might have some interaction and active learning, but, you know, it's, it's very different going online. And so, um, you know, I'm really hoping that we see a revolution, well, you know, not necessarily even a revolution, just a transition into a model where we focus more on teaching, because I think, as, as you probably know, Chip, the, the, the teaching aspect of this is, especially for some of the larger institutions, is, is something we, we really need to focus more on. No doubt. I mean, you know, our model um, for 12 years now, we just passed 700,000 live classes to date. Like it's, you know, we're doing this at scale and it's all built on high quality interaction with faculty. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, the number of, of star teachers across the 2U portfolio, not small um, and, you know, dedicated to their craft. What I think is interesting about your answer is I totally agree uh, that not only uh, teaching will get greater attention, but on top of that, you mentioned the instructional designer there is no doubt in my mind that this is the moment for pedagogy and instructional design. Um, and I think what separated the spring to the future is that, you know, just moving everybody urgently online and replacing what was going to be a physical lecture with a Zoom room. Zoom is an excellent partner and the technology for to you and the technology has been very important to us. Uh, so we're very happy to have Zoom as a partner, mm -hmm. but you can't just put people in the Zoom and expect it to work. You know, you, you, you need to frame every single uh, module around a learning outcome mm -hmm. and design it intentionally for the online environment. And what we found, so I don't know if you saw, Terry, we had a study we released with Gallup. It's a, it's a couple of months old at this point. Yeah, I'm pretty um, sure I did see that, yeah. And so it, from my perspective, I mean, it's a really well done study with Gallup and it basically benchmarked uh, two U-backed programs to the national benchmarks in graduate school. And, you know, I felt like it was the final nail in the coffin of the question of whether or not it can be as good. Almost every metric, the numbers for the online programs were better than the national benchmark for campus programs. And so I felt like quite compelling um, that it would, uh, you know, that it, that, that it helps us explain that story. Um, I guess I would say uh, that, that, you know, you've got to be intentional in how you're designing something. And we do think that's a big part of what our, um, you know, of, of, of what our value prop over the next couple of years uh, will be to, to help these schools do it right. 
Absolutely. You know, we have our own online courses at uh, the Center for Higher Education Leadership, but the first thing I did was brought on an instructional designer because I know that, you know, I, you know, it's been a while since I've been you know, regularly teaching, but beyond that, I mean, you know, one of my, my pet peeves about higher ed is we, we don't do enough teaching about uh, teaching and pedagogy. Um, and I think what we're going to have to see is in graduate programs where they have students who are going to become professors is that we're going to have to have more of a focus on pedagogy, teaching online, you know, all of these things, because, you know, it, it, if you have that capability going into a job as a professor, you, that just makes you that much more valuable. And obviously, we know there's the publisher parish mandate, you know, I was at research institutions all of my career. But um, it's teaching is going to become more critical. And these instructional designers, I do believe are, are going to be an important component of that. And no doubt. as well as, yeah, and so, and I, I'll use that to transition into the, the fact that not only do we have to be intentional about pedagogy and teaching, but skills. So I know um, one of the things we want to chat about was just this whole, we got, you know, millions of people losing jobs who want to be able to change careers. And, and I'm curious, I mean, obviously online is going to be a huge component of, you know, training and, and skills, but not just for, you know, the people who are becoming unemployed, but also for our students today. I, there's no doubt. So there is a huge demand. Uh, there already was for people looking to reskill and upskill uh, prior to COVID. And now in the case of COVID, I mean, you're talking about, uh, uh, you know, to say a pressing need is the understatement of the year. I mean, it's pretty extraordinary. And of course, things like instructional design, uh, high quality courses that teach you instructional design, incredibly useful right now, but it goes to all technology skills. Um, you know, if you look, uh, something like 30 million people lost their jobs in the last six weeks. And yep. you're talking about, uh, I don't know if you saw the, the Strata Education poll, but I thought it was really interesting that over a third, 36% of Americans plan to change their careers if they lose their job during because of COVID. And yep. so, you know, from the standpoint of technology training, we believe uh, that, you know, that we're, we're the market leader working with great universities to uh, help people reskill and upskill, whether it be a short course uh, to help somebody stand out from the crowd or a boot camp to learn how to become a full stack web developer or get into fintech or get into digital marketing. And so we uh, acquired a company last year called Trilogy that uh, did this at scale with a great university and they became a really critical footprint for a uh, part of our footprint for 2U. Uh, to work with the great school to do technology reskilling and upskilling. And it's such a crucial need. And, and you know, we obviously had no idea that this pandemic was going to break, uh, but, but in incredibly important that we now offer these types of programs because uh, it's, you know, it's scary. I mean, like, I, I feel very lucky that I run a company that has not only not been impacted, uh, but that is doing really well uh, mm -hmm. during it. But you know, we also have plenty of people who have spouses uh, that have been furloughed or laid off. Um, you know, in, in this time of crisis, I mean, this—you know—I was telling my son, he's he's about to go to college, hopefully, knock on wood. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, saying we've never seen anything like this. Like this is not, this is not something I can sit here and tell you. I thought 2008 would be the worst recession that I would have seen, and and no, without question, this is significantly more challenging. So. I do think upskilling and reskilling are pretty critical. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I did see that uh, Strata survey, and you know, there's lots of other surveys coming out as well, showing you know what what people. Actually, speaking of you know, your son, I have a son who just finished his first year of college, and um, you know, he's wondering Where? what's at Lewis and Clark in Portland. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So so he's really enjoying it there, and, and you know, in a sense, he's lucky that you know he. Um, was able to finish the semester no problem, um, but that's why yeah I mentioned the Portland area earlier. I, I I grew up on the West Coast and know a lot of the the institutions around here. But that's why I think that you know those institutions are you know going to have to look at the you know with their graduate programs and um, even continuing education. And I was I'm just curious, have you had um, much uh, interaction with the, some of these continue, I'm sure you guys must be doing some continuing education programming out there. Yes, so almost uh, most of our boot camps that run with great universities run through the continuing education school. And then mm -hmm. we have a variety of different relationships with continuing ed. Uh, you know, we have 73 different university partners offering all types of different uh, subjects, everything from sustainability by Cambridge to mm -hmm. uh, speech therapy from NYU. So it's a pretty big, broad uh, base of content. Uh, continuing ed schools are an important uh, part of our business. And, um, you know, when we acquired the, the technology training, it became even more important. Um, so no doubt that it's, you know, look, this is, uh, <laughs> you know, at, at this moment in time, I feel like, you know, this is our moment to really help these great schools. And so I feel a very palpable sense of personal responsibility to make sure that 2U delivers right now. Yeah, I, I, you know, and that's why, you know, I, I uh, we, we were chatting before we started today. And, you know, for me, that's so critical, because I think it's, it's, or, uh, you know, companies like yours that are going to help us bridge into what's going to be a new era for higher ed. You know, there's just no two ways about it. And it's interesting because we were having a discussion on LinkedIn just the other day about how um, continuing it, you know, it's in many ways, continuing education has kind of been in its own silo away from the rest of campus. But I do think this is going to push those two parts of campus together. Oh, because, no doubt. You know, continuing ed already knows how to do this stuff. <laughs> and um, it seems like this will be a great opportunity for, you know, the you know, regular, I don't even know how to, you know, there shouldn't be a separation between the two, but there is. And so, and we have to acknowledge that, but, you know, I, I think there's some really important ways we can bring those two parts of campus together to help get us through these next couple of years. Well, I think what's happening right now is you've got provosts and presidents all over the country that are now identifying instructional design and continuing ed as a strategic priority. And yeah. I think that's a really good thing. Um, you know, one of the other things about our business in particular is I feel like one of the narratives that exists out in the world that's uh, a little tired is that you either work with somebody like to you or you have internal capability. And yeah. that's totally <laughs> not right. Yeah. Um, these are really big enterprises and there is so much need that most of the people we work with have internal capability. And very often we work directly with that internal capability. And I think you and I, uh, you know, when we were talking earlier, we're talking about like what others have tried to do, how it's a lot harder than it looks. Um, and so working with an outside firm like a 2U, and there are plenty of other companies 
uh, is not only uh, important, but very often necessary. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know, it's interesting. I, one of the many webinars I've done since this all started was with a, a friend who's a, a improv comedian and she, but she works with business and she we really got to start thinking yes. And so, yes, we need to do, um, you know, hmm. online education like and we need to work with entities that are going to help us, you know, get to where we need to be more quickly. And, it, you know, it's, it's not just a, a monetary investment. I mean, I think one of the things we don't do very well in higher ed, and I, you know, I, I completely understand some of the rationale behind this is we have a hard time investing in, in a way that, you know, really gets us to the, the next level. It's like, you know, it's, oh, we have to cut the budget and you have to do this. It's like, you know, when you, when you get to something like this, this, this is something that has to, you really have to be willing to invest in because it's so critical to the future. And, you know, what's interesting, everybody is talking about how, well, this has sped things up by five to 10 years. And yeah, I, I agree with that completely because I think a lot of institutions thought, well, we have time to invest in this. It's like, no, the time to invest is today. And, you know, however you can, can do that is so critical. So I do, I agree. Yes. And, you know, have your um, on-campus. Well, yes. And yes. I love it. <laughs> well, so, but you know, it is fascinating how urgent the need became for all of this overnight. Mm -hmm. So it, there's no question that if you look at the, if you looked at many universities list of strategic priorities, online education was on it for some, mm -hmm. but was not on it for most. And I think, you know, it all became an outright necessity very, very quickly. And I, I don't think, uh, I don't personally think just in response to the crisis, I think, um, in other words, if we have a vaccine quickly, which we all obviously hope we do, mm -hmm. um, I still believe that this has now become something that people realize is a must have to be, uh, you know, a great institution of higher education today. Exactly. And so I think that will change a lot of how people think about it. Um, now, what I worry about is some of the experiences have been really bad. So people, yep. you know, it's sort of, it, it, it's, you know, tarnishes the way they think about it. Um, I know my kids have struggled with it in their high school. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, I'm hoping that we, you know, as we deploy more high quality solutions, you drive more positive outcomes. Um, but net net, there are no doubt that this is, this is the moment for online ed. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think we have to divide it into to two different things, right? Like we talked about right at the beginning, there's the emergency remote education, and then there's online learning. And online learning, I agree. Yeah, my son has also had trouble with what's happening at his high school a bit. But, um, you know, the, these schools weren't ready at all to, to shift to this, as we've said over and over. But the, the reality is that they need to be prepared. I mean, I live in, you know, California where we could have an earthquake any day or, you know, flooding and fires. And, you know, schools should be prepared to teach online if that's what they have to do. Um, they, they need to have these contingency plans. And, you know, that's why one of the things we're really focusing on is, you know, strategic planning, contingency planning. But you know, getting beyond that and saying, we are going to invest and make sure that we can teach under any circumstances, but also do it really well. Right. Well, if you think about um, one of the cool things we've rolled out in response to uh, the, the pandemic, first, uh, a thing called No Back Row Pro that, that gets uh, all of the faculty, the campus faculty trained up in terms of how to 
handle a live environment with the best possible teaching. Uh, and mm -hmm. then separately, we rolled out something called Studio in a Box, which I think is really cool. So we basically ship a kit to each individual faculty member that's building their course. And mm -hmm. uh, it comes with a camera, a microphone, a background for them to put behind them with these little lights. Mm -hmm. And it makes it a higher quality experience when they record themselves. But the key to it is the support from a 2U content strategist, a great instructional design lead who helps them build a course from the ground up uh, to drive the right learning outcome. And mm -hmm. I feel like that is, is, is what we lacked when we went to the remote wave. Um, and it's hard to do, but by doing it this way, you're creating the, I think the best possible solution out of something that uh, was a necessity. So like our London School of Economics program, we're launching our first ever undergraduate program with the London School of Economics in mm -hmm. October. And, you know, production came to a halt right when COVID broke and we were able to deploy the studio in a box out and not only kept production on track, but now we're actually ahead of schedule. So uh, we should be able to launch that program as planned. And the timing of that program is pretty critical yep. given that, you know, a lot of people are reconsidering what they're gonna do with online ed. Yep. No, you're, you couldn't have better timing on that. You know, it's really interesting. One of the other things I remind people is that there's this tendency, especially when you look at the demographic data in the US, oh, you know, we're, the number of you know, high school graduates is declining. Well, the reality is more people than ever need education. And even before the, all of this happened, um, you know, there, if you look at our graduation rates and, you know, the fact that we don't have, in a, I mean, some colleges and universities have developed micro-credentials and certificates, but, you know, my belief is that every student who get, takes any college courses should come out of there with a, you know, something that says the skills they earned and, and you know, or, or skills they learned and, and, you know, some kind of micro-credential that shows an employer, you know, well, this is what this person can do. And so, um, but as we go forward, you know, those kinds of things are going to be even more critical for people, for people who are working and, and so on. So again, I think this reskilling, upskilling, whatever your terminology you want to use. And, and I love this idea of, you know, just being able to send out a package to a, a professor or a teacher and say, hey, this is how you get started. Um, because I think that will just make a huge difference in just you know willingness and, and well you're you, you're also um you're you know speaking my language on the micro credentials so yeah. we have an entire segment of our business called alternative credentials and you know we've uh passed uh 215,000 people uh inception to date that have you know we we like to say that we've changed their lives and so the uh micro credentials and the short courses are a big part of it um very accessible way of learning and um you know, six to eight weeks for somebody to uh, gain confidence or build a skill set that will make, that'll help them stand out and land their next job. Uh, so uh, whether it be a, you know, short course or a long form degree, we think all online options are pretty important now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, for example, my son who's uh, at Lewis and Clark College, you know, I'm not sure you know, it's going to be hard for him to get a summer job, but I said, hey, you know, why don't you go online and, and you know, there's lots of courses out there you can take um, that are from, you know, legitimate faculty at other institutions. You don't have to necessarily get, you know, credit from your current institution, but you'll have that, that grounding in that subject um, so that when you go forward, 
uh, you know, it, it's something that you, you, you know, it will make that next class easier, whatever it is. So th there's just so many options out there. And yeah, I know to you is really out in the forefront, um, you know, doing some amazing work. I was reading about the Simmons College uh, uh, announcement and, and I just think in, in, in hurling, I have lots of friends at LSE as well. And so, um, you know, I think those are just wonderful initiatives because the whole goal of this is to get people educated. And we're all about student success here at Chell. And, and so, um, yeah, so I, any last, anything you would love to tell a, a, a higher ed administrator right now that we didn't get to? <laughs> well, I guess one of our, um, one of our guiding principles as a company is don't let the skeptic win. And I feel like for too long, uh, higher education uh, people have approached the online environment with sort of deep skepticism. And I do think, uh, look at the Gallup study. When done well, it's really good. Mm -hmm. uh, and so as you move from, uh, you know, as you deal with the pandemic, obviously there's huge issues every administrator is dealing with, but uh, creating a higher quality online environment and one that allows effectively students to be hybrid, we think is, uh, is a no-brainer. Um, and obviously we're excited to try to help people deliver on that, but we do think it's uh, pretty critical for the long-term benefit of society that, you know, all of higher education needs to be blended, connected, affordable, and sustainable. Um, yeah. So um, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come on and talk about it a little bit. Yeah, thanks so much. This has really been a wonderful conversation and I wish we could go on longer, but I know we're, we're, we both have busy schedules, so we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap up for today. But um, I just want to say thanks again for joining us and I will uh, make sure that we post a link to that Gallup study uh, to our podcast and uh, on our social media. So I know folks will be interested in seeing that. And yes, I'm hoping that we, we really get to that point of collaboration where more institutions have the capability to, you know, get online and really give a quality product. And I, I really appreciate the fact that you guys are, are really focused on content and pedagogy and, and uh, instructional design, because that's really the wave of the future. And, and so thanks again for joining us. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me, Terry. We'll talk to you. Yes. Take care and have a great day.